Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. You know, it's great. We have a great time in the house of the Lord. It's an interactive experience. It's not, this is not a, you know, a museum. This is not a TED Talk, you know, none of that. You know, and it's certainly, as fun as it is, as, as built up in our faith as we get it, this is certainly not a pep rally. I know we're in school. I know football's coming back. Thank you, Jesus. But come on, this ain't a pep rally. We're not here to get hype and build something up. See, you need a hype man to build something up more than what it is. But we're not here to get built up, to get excited and not leave changed. We're here to allow the Holy Spirit to move through us, to bring to light some things in us that haven't been pleasing to him so that we can become more like him. That's what the word Christian is, right, to be Christ-like. And we're actually meant to be more like him, to reflect more of who he is on a regular basis and less of us. John prayed the prayer best when he said, more of him, less of me, right? It sums it up so beautifully. So we're here to, to shout and to have fun, but we're also here to grow and to change. And how does serving God become religious? It's when we start just checking in and checking out. Okay, God, you can, you can move in this area, but not in this area. It's when we start uh, sectioning off the parts of us that are available to, for God to move. It's when we stop going through hard times that we become religious and elitist. It's when we stop doing the hard work of uprooting the attitudes in us that stink. You know, it's when we stop allowing ourselves to be convicted of sin that we become religious because now we don't need to repent. Now we have no need need for conviction of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he would bring in our lives. He would convict us uh, of, of our sin. Like, we're not here to become religious. We're here to become Christ-like. And so we know there's power when we gather together. There's power when we sing and worship. There's power when we read and study Scripture. There's this power that's available to us, like it's a nice word to throw around, it's a nice phrase, but the power that is available to us is meant to cause forward motion in our lives. It's meant to cause us to spiritually move forward, not to stay stuck in neutral. We're not meant to leave our spirit part in, in, in put into park, into, into that gear. The power of God actually creates a forward motion. Sometimes that's a motion that actually moves forward. Sometimes the motion that God brings us into is like causes us to go in circles. <laughs> Ever been in a circle before that God has been leading you and you're like, God, I've been around this circle before. What's going on? Um, God does sometimes lead us in circles. If you don't believe me, read uh, the book of Joshua and Judges where God spoke to them and said, walk around the city seven times. Uh, and God actually led them in a circle to actually bring victory out. Sometimes the forward motion doesn't look like what we want, but it's always to cause us to grow, to move forward. So my hope, my prayer is that what happens here in this place would create this desire in you that when you get home, you do a deep dive into the word. That you get in there and say, God, what are you speaking to me? That you get hungry for the presence of God and you get in his presence alone. That you gather your family together and you say, family, let's get in the presence of God. Let's worship his name. 
name. My hope is that what happens here just kind of wets your whistle a little bit, gives you a taste so that when you are out of this place, that the spirit of God flows out of you, creates this forward motion. You know, anytime there is forward motion, anytime there's this thing that we call growth spiritually, there's always pain. Pain is a part of growth. Um, who has kids? Anybody have kids? Um, or maybe some grandkids. I know some grandkids on the way. Let's go. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about kids is that every kid has growing pains. Those pains in the body that can't be explained. Listen, we've all had them. If you are a person like me, come on, then you've had growing pains. You might have forgotten them. But when a kid has growing pains, it, they are irrational about it. They are screaming, it hurts, it feels terrible, this is the end, just cut them off. They just hurt so bad, just cut my legs off, cut my arms off. Like Kids have these irrational ways of thinking about the growth they are going through because all they have are the childish thoughts and feelings and words that they have known up until that point. What happens is that an adult needs to come and explain to that child, you are not dying. In 10 minutes, the growing pains will subside and you're going to be all right. You know, we, we need to realize that as we grow from childishness to adulting, there is going to be some growing pains. Now, I'm not talking about constant pain. There's a difference. I'm not talking about forever pain. Um, you know, there are moments of pain. There is stretching that takes place. There, there, there is those things. There are seasons that we walk through that are harder than others. But I want to encourage you, you can do hard things. You can grow beyond where you are if you're willing to push beyond some of the hard things. It's just that the trouble with pain is that so many times we, we, we stop in a season of pain and make it a permanent place rather than moving through the season of pain. God never intended for you to stay in a place where there is constant hurt, where there is constant pain that you feel overwhelmed by and that you can never grow through. Pain was a te is a temporary thing that causes growth, that causes change to take place. we got to stop treating it as permanent and begin to seek out healing, right? Healing uh, is found in those who are maturing. Those who want to stay in their pain don't seek out wisdom. They don't seek out uh, healing. They want to stay where they are. That's immaturity. Those who are growing seek out wisdom. There, there's maturity there. Those who, those who seek out healing are growing, right? That's where we are today. Not all pain is negative. Pain is pressure working itself out to cause us to move to the next level. Um, you know, when you received uh, the Lord... Uh, you are, as scripture says, you are born again. You are born spiritually new. It's almost like you're born a spiritual baby. So welcome to the nursery. You know, here's your pacifier and your bottle, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, which, by the way, uh, if you're interested in helping us uh, get our nursery uh, going on a regular basis, we're looking for a group of people who can help us with that because we recognize God is sending families to us that have that need, and we want to be ready to serve people. If that's something that's on your heart, you can talk to myself or my wife, uh, Pastor Heather, who leads that area. But when we receive Christ, we're, we're born spiritually new. We're in the nursery. We're, we're just learning how to know God more. Yeah, we're learning how to 
pray. We're learning how to read our Bibles. We're learning how to do things differently than we did before. We're learning, oh, God loves me uh, regardless of, of where I'm at as we grow We're learning to know God more, but we have to be careful that as we grow, that we don't become spiritual elitists. You know, spiritual elitists think that they've learned it all, that they know it all, that they're better than other people, that, well, those people, you know, those over there that that aren't as good as they are, why are they, they, you know, like, listen, the church was not meant to be a place for spiritual elitists. The church is really like a big hospital. It's for those, Jesus said, he came for those who are sick, those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who need a doctor. It's just that some of us needed to be in the house a little bit longer. So we're not elitists. We're here just to grow to be more like Jesus and to help anyone who comes in to know him more regardless of the situation. That's why I always say, I don't care where you were last night. You're here right now. Come, you know what I'm saying? Like, and hopefully wherever you were last night, you're not in that same place next Saturday. Come on. We're going to become more spiritually mature, right, because we realize that there's more about God that we don't know. See, the elitist says, I, like, I've, I've got to figure it out. I know it now. Uh, somebody who's a, a mature spiritual adult says, I don't know it all. There's more I'm discovering about God, but if you want to know what I know, here's what I've learned so far about God. Let's take another step together. It's just a different. There's more to the fullness and the goodness of God that we haven't tasted yet. And can I tell you, if you are waiting on God to help you to grow, God is waiting on you to grow. God's not going to force you to grow. He's going to give you the opportunity. And so that's what we're talking about here in in the series is adulting. Look at your neighbor and say adulting. Yeah, we're talking about adulting. It's this funny word, adulting, that has kind of come through social media about doing the bare minimum of life, you know, like hashtag paid more than the minimum payment today, adulting. Um, anybody been there before? Folded the laundry before it made it to the couch, uh, adulting. Anybody else? No, we're still working on that one. Me too. Okay. Um, this whole idea of adulting, that God doesn't want us to be trying to spiritually just do the bare minimum so that we can call ourselves Christians or, or just enough to keep that fire insurance so that, you know, when we die, we're okay. Some of you are like, fire insurance, you'll get it on the way home. God wants us to grow to spiritually adult. And this whole idea comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. If you have your Bibles or maybe the free version Bible app, you can turn there with me. The Apostle Paul, he's writing here, and he says, When I was a child, I I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned or I felt like a child. But when I became a man or when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me or I put away childish things. I put them behind me, right? Today the word of the Lord is think like an adult. Think like an adult. So Paul lists three specific ways of childhood right here. Thinking, feeling, and speaking. Then he said, I had to put those ways behind me. How many of y'all know kids think different than adults? (laughs) If you didn't realize that, I encourage you to sign up to volunteer in Victory Kids, and you will come back saying, those kids think differently than I do. (laughs) I love it. It's just kids think differently, and when you become an adult, You can't stay thinking the same way you did when you were a child. You have to begin to think differently, and it's no different as we grow spiritually. If we're going to really grow and experience the fullness of God in our lives, if we're going to really begin to understand, like, why did Jesus die on the cross for you? 
then we're going to have to learn to put some childish thinking away and begin to think like an adult. Um, You know, Paul is writing the scripture. Apparently what he's telling us is that just because he became an adult doesn't mean that he just, that, that all the childish things just disappeared just because he turned a different age. You know, apparently he's saying that when you become an adult, you become an adult with some things. You turn an adult, you still have the ways of thinking that you were before, the ways of feeling that you did before, the ways of speaking that you did before. When you became an adult, you became an adult with some things. It's just not everything that used to fit a season of your life is meant to fit the next season of your life. I'm, a, I'm about to turn 45 this week, praise the Lord. And, um, you know, anytime you have a birthday, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, just somebody comes and says, well, how does it feel to be 45? Or how does it feel to be 18? And I don't, I'm always like, the answer is always like, feels the same. Maybe when you turn 45, you're like, feels a little stiffer, a little more sore maybe. But like, generally, they, like, I don't know, how is it supposed to feel? Like, it feels the same. You know, when we become an adult, it's the same way. Like, just because I turned 45 doesn't mean now I'm mature just mean I turn another year old. I know plenty of adults who are 45, 50, 70 who are immature. Age, the passage of time, is not the indicator of if I have matured, especially if I've spiritually matured. I know people who have been in the church for 30 years who still can't believe God enough to give. Paul is telling us that the indicators of our spiritual growth are found in our ways of thinking, in in how we speak, and in our feelings. We've got to begin to think a little bit differently. He's saying we've got to leave some things behind us. Some things aren't meant to be in our adult season. Yes, you know, God speaks to us through all kinds of voices, but, you know, it's time, I believe, for us as a church to move beyond the bottle and the milk and the pacifier and move on up to the table that has the New York strip steak on it. Uh, You know, I like, when I go out to eat, I don't order a glass of milk. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if you do, that's okay. It's just an illustration. Like, I order some meat. Come on, somebody. You know, like, there, there's something about it. You can be all grown up and still be sitting at the kid's table, still be thinking like a child, still be feeling like you're wounded on the playground five-year-old self, still be talking like the child who doesn't really understand what's going on and just saying whatever pops into your mind. Or we can begin to think differently and put some childish ways behind us and begin to grow a different way. Now listen, there is no problem with being where you are in your spiritual growth. Permission to be where you are. But let me give you another permission. Permission to grow. Don't stay where you are. Let's begin to take some steps. Maybe today you recognize you've been thinking like a child, but today it's time to begin to grow, to get some new thoughts. How do you grow? Get some wisdom. Get around some people who are growing. Get some help. Get some accountability. Don't stay stuck in pride thinking you've got it all figured out. And get some humility about you. Ask for help. Ask to be around those people. Growing people seek out wisdom. Come on, we're going to think like an adult. So let me ask you this question today, rhetorical question. What do you think about? What do you think about? It's your thought life, the things that you think about all the time, the things that are rolling around in the back of your head, you know, the thoughts that pop in and pop out of your head at the strangest times, the, you know, the things that, uh, you know, the things that you think about when you're worried, 
the things that you think about when you're stressed, when you're pressured, the thoughts that come to your mind when you feel pressured towards that thing you've been trying not to do. You know what I'm talking about? It's your thought life, the things that are constantly living in your mind that you think about, that you rehearse, that you go through. It's those types of things that really define what our thought life is. Where do we turn to in times of pressure, in times of need? Many people don't really want to acknowledge how childish their thought life really is because they believe if they don't acknowledge it, then they don't have to deal with it. But let me tell you, your thought life is driving your life. You are the result, your life today is the result of the things you've been thinking about the most. Let me show you in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. This is the New King James Version. He says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart. Now, he's not talking about your, your physical heart pumping. He's talking about your mind, your, your soul, your emotions. It's the, the, the side of you, the feeling side of your existence. He says, as you think about things the most, it will come to be. So you are. So when you think you can't, you won't. And when you think you can, you will. You're right either way. The thoughts that you think about are determining who you really are. Not the like, you know, it's, it's the thoughts that really live inside of you that transform you. You know, there's always the, the fleeting, the passing thoughts that come. There's thoughts coming at us all the time. I don't know if you realize that. Hopefully you have thoughts coming at you. Anybody? Anybody? Even probably right now you have thoughts coming at you. There's good thoughts. There's the crazy thoughts there's the wild thoughts, there's godly thoughts, there's thoughts that are just pure desire, you know, there's hunger thoughts, you know, there's, and there's not good thoughts. There's all kinds of thoughts coming at us, but a thought really becomes part of our thought life and who we are when we allow that thought to take residency in us. When we begin to think on it over and over, when we begin to go back to that thought, there's actual scientific evidence that shows the more a person thinks a thought, there is actually a chemical compound in your brain that is formed and created, and then it begins to reach out and connect to other chemical compounds and create what looks like roads. So the more you think a thought, then when you come back to it and think it again, it's easier to think it because your brain is actually creating a pathway to think that again. And the more you think it, the more that chemical pathway is strengthened and enlarged. And it just so happens that those things can be either good pathways or bad pathways. And the science shows it, like it looks visibly different when you've been thinking on things that are good and truthful and honest and pure and things that are not of God. Like the brain looks actually different. When you begin to think on things that are not of God, it, you, you can see it in the science how the brain actually begins to break down because of the, the thoughts that have been thought. Your thoughts are driving your life more than you realize. And I believe God has you here today to get a checkup from the neck up. Come on, to get rid of some stinking thinking. I'm from the South, and that's just said with all my Southerness. No G's on there, stinking thinking. You know, like that's just the way it is. That was funny, and I don't care what y'all say. God wants us to begin to think in a different way. And I'm not just talking about like wordplay. I'm not just talking, thinking about, well, I'm going to think about something good. You know, like 
that's, that's nonsense. That's where the enemy wants to trap you in childish thinking. God wants you to get to the level where your thinking then begins to be uh, on, on a higher plane, right? On a higher way of thinking that, God, what are you doing in this situation? We just sang the song, I'm going to see a victory. Uh, and for most of us, that hasn't been the case because we've been thinking childish ways of whatever I see around me must be all I can handle, must be all there is for me. And God wants you to get to the, the adulting place where you can, I can see a victory no matter what the battle that I'm in is. I don't even need to see the outcome to know that God is working and whatever you have for me in this. God, I know you're working. I know even last week I was struggling with this because um, I, I work really hard to plan out my messages um, for, you know, we map out an entire year before the year ever gets there. And just like, I, I like to have things in order. You know, anybody else? I like things to be a certain way. And especially once I make a plan, I like it to go according to the plan. And when things are messed up, I've had to learn over the years, like to be a little more flexible. Blessed are the flexible for they will not break, you know. Um, but even last week, as I've been, you know, I've been planning this adulting series and just excited to share it. And I was like, just frustrated. Like, now the whole series is just like in the wind. <laughs> you know, like, what are we going to just, my plan is just out the window. And God is like, can you just believe that even though you're not there, that I have a plan before you knew you weren't going to be there? Sometimes we just need to begin to think on a higher level, to think like an adult, to be like, that's right, God, you don't need me there to move in your house. God, you can do, you had a better plan than what I had anyway. Come on, it's just thinking different. If, if we're going to fully adult, if we're going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us, we got to leave some childish thinking behind. I love the story of the, the kid, little kid who played baseball and he would always tell people, you know, I'm the greatest hitter there ever was. I'm the best hitter in the history of baseball. And people would look at him like, but this little kid, like you couldn't convince him otherwise. So one day he goes out to practice baseball and it's just him, no brothers and sisters, only kid. So he takes his baseball, throws it up in the air, swings the bat, whoo, strike one. It's all right. I'm the greatest hitter there ever was. I don't care if there's strike one. Picks up the ball. He's like, give me your best shot. Throws the ball up. Whew, strike two, swinging like a rusty gate. And he's like, it's all right. Strike two. I'm not even worried about it. I'm the greatest hitter there ever was. Picks up the ball, throws it in the air. Whew, strike three. He sits there and thinks for just a minute. Oh, my word. Not only am I the greatest hitter in all of history, but I am the greatest pitcher in all of history because I just struck out the greatest batter in history. Come on. Some of us just need to begin to think differently about what we've perceived as a setback and what we've seen as an out, as a disqualification. God actually wants to use to advance you into something that he has planned for you. Come on. Like, we just got to begin to think differently. And God doesn't think the way that we think. He thinks differently. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, he's speaking, and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. I don't know the last time you walked outside and looked at the clouds and just seen them moving. They look closer than they really are. But 
they are far away from us. And God is saying that, hey, you're on this level. He's on this level. But he's calling us up to a new level. He's calling us to begin to get out of our ways of thinking and seeing things. If we could get a hold of one thought from God, it would revolutionize our lives. If we could get a hold of of one new thought from God, one God thought, man, it would bring freedom to our lives about whatever we're facing. Think about Moses for just a minute. Moses had everything. He had the life. He was raised in Pharaoh's palace. He had, all the, uh, he had authority. He had wealth. He had everything, servants, anything he needed at the snap of his fingers, he could have, but he couldn't stay in it. He couldn't, he couldn't live his life in it, and he actually ran away from all of that. He's living in the desert in fear, hiding out, just trying to live out his days in, in existence, just living in this place, and then God shows up and says, Moses, I have a plan for you. I want you to go back to the place you came from and bring freedom to people. One God thought revolutionized Moses where he was. Even though Moses tried to object, God, you got the wrong guy. Pick somebody else. God got a hold of him and said, Moses, I need to give you a new thought. Who made your mouth? I'm going to fill your mouth with words. I'm going to fill your mouth with words of freedom to bring freedom to people. One thought from God changed the entire course of the history of a nation. Think about Gideon for just a moment. See, the Bible is full of people who got a hold of one God thought that changed everything in their life. Their life was on one trajectory and then a God thought came in and changed the trajectory of their life. Gideon says he was hiding in a hole in the ground because he thought he was going to be killed by his enemies. God sends an angel with a thought. Gideon, I've called you to be the one to bring freedom to your people. Rise up out of that place, you mighty man. Gideon says, I'm not mighty. I'm the least. My family is the worst. We're the last ones that should be picked. And I I got no strength. I got no ability. And God is like, you are the one I've chosen. Rise up, mighty man. Gideon rose up out of that place and with 300 people defeated army of tens of thousands. Come on, a different trajectory for his life. Think about David who was facing a giant that everyone else said was impossible to defeat. Come on, are we getting this today? That one God thought? Everybody else had the, the, the school of thought. Everyone else knew that this giant is impossible. No one can defeat him. He's a champion. He's never lost. Do you see how big he is? Do you see how impossible it is? Do you hear what he said? Come on, it's time to run and hide. That was the common thought of the day. But one person, one bold teenager, one scrawny, handsome little kid carrying some bread and some cheese, the pizza delivery man got a different idea from God that said, you know what? If God is for me, who could be against me? Who is this giant? to stand before the living God. One thought from God. What if we could get a hold of one thought from God? What would change in your family? I just sense that God is just wanting to change the trajectory of your families. That enough, and there's been enough addiction in our families. It stops here. It stops here. There's been enough brokenness in our family history. It stops here because I have a new thought from God. Like a thought will revolutionize what God has called us to, right? One thought from God. It'll it'll get up and stir up your Kool-Aid and mess things up in the best way possible. You know what I'm talking about? Like it just gets up in there. It will, uh, one thought from God will will showcase that you don't have enough. One thought from God will just remind you like without God, you will fail. 
But that's the beauty of it, that God doesn't leave you. Even when God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah had the same excuse as Moses. He's like, uh, Lord, I, I don't know how to speak. I wouldn't know what to say. And God says, Jeremiah, I will be with you. I will give you the words to say. See, everything that you need to do this impossible thing that God has planted in you, this thought from God, he's already given you everything you need. He just gives it to us in the form of a seed. I don't know if you realize that whatever God gives you something, he doesn't give you the, the end result. He gives you the seed. He gives you the thought. He gives you the ability to do it. And then it's up to us to take this thought, to plant the thought, to water the thought, to water the seed, to keep the weeds out, to let it grow so that then one day there will be fruit from this thought and you'll begin to reap the benefits of the fruit. But God gives us the raw materials, everything we need to develop this thought. This is how God operates. You're one thought away from your breakthrough. Come on, one thought from God away from freedom. One thought away from living in significance when you thought it was only a dream. Come on. I mean, this church started as a thought. Started as a thought. What if we could create a place? Come on. I know for me and my wife, Heather, um, you know, being pastors was a, started as a thought. We, when we moved with our, with our friends, uh, pastors Caleb and Sarah, the founding pastors of this church, for us, the thought was we were called here to, to serve Pastors Caleb and Sarah, to serve the church in whatever way possible. And that's what we thought we were coming to do. You know, and as we were here, as we were serving, as we were serving as, as kids pastors, you know, the thought was this is what we're going to be. We're just going to be here. We're going to be kids pastors. Maybe one day God will let us be youth pastors. And, and that's where our thought was. And so many times our thoughts have a lid on them. We have childish thoughts. This is all I can be. See, even in the thought of I could be a youth pastor one day, it was a limiting thought. It was a childish thought, not of being a youth pastor. That's amazing. There are people in this room called to be youth pastors, and you've been sitting on it, and God is calling you to the forefront, children's pastors, young adult pastors. Come on. But sometimes where we are feels so easy because the lid is there, and the lid keeps us from really having to extend our faith because it's doable. See, if the lid is there, I only have to go so high. I only have to stretch this much. And I've stretched that much before, so I know I can handle it. But God wants us to remove the lid off so that we can go even further. You ever heard the story of the fleas? You know, fleas, as gross as they are, they can have a 36-inch vertical jump. <laughs> like, Lord, why did you make this thing? You know, like, but that is amazing. A 36-inch vertical jump. I wonder how many people in this room have a 36-inch vertical jump. Another story. But the interesting thing about fleas, if you were to take these fleas and put them in a jar and you were to put the lid on top of the jar, the flea is going to begin to jump and it will hit its head on top of this, the lid of this jar because it knows it can jump 36 inches. Now this lid, the longer it keeps jumping and hitting the lid of this jar, it will learn to jump only so far as to stop hitting its head on the top of the jar. And then after a while, long enough in the jar with the lid, if you take the lid off, it will still only jump so far as to not hit its head on the lid. The other interesting thing is if that flea happens to have baby fleas in this jar, those baby fleas are, are born with a 36-inch vertical 
vertical jump. But they will only jump as far as they see the adult jumping because of the environment they've been in, because of the lid they've put on their life. And it's this safe way of living where God has called us to be bet the farm, risk-taking faith. And he's calling us today to rip the lid off some things because there's potential inside of you. There's more inside of you that you're capable of doing. It's just we've been living a safe, grave-tending life. God wants to give you a new thought today. He wants to give you a new thought today. He says you are capable of more. You can do it. It might stretch you. It will stretch you. And you, it's not going to break you. You can do it. Now, here's the thing. i got to warn you. As soon as... God gives you this revolutionary thought, this new way of thinking. (laughs) On the heels of it will come thoughts from the devil to distract you, to destroy this thought, to try to steal the thought, to try to disqualify you from this thought, to try to make you feel like it's impossible, to get you to look at what resources you have to make it happen. It will come. Those thoughts are going to come immediately to try to steal what God has put inside of you. I know in my own life, as soon as Pastor Heather and I, my wife, started to have the conversations like, what if God was calling us to be pastors somewhere? Maybe here in Orlando, somewhere else. We didn't know, but we just had the thought, what if, what if God had called us to be pastor? And can I tell you, almost immediately as we said that, the, the thoughts were there. The opposing thoughts were there. But you know what? We don't have enough resources to do that. How would we ever have the money to do that? You know what? People, I don't know if people would even listen to us. What do we even have to say? You know, we, we're not the right ones. Surely God could use somebody better than us. The thoughts are going to come to disqualify you. But I'm just telling you, (laughs) if you will think on the God thought and get rid of the thoughts of the enemy, God can do amazing things through your life. I'm surely there are better preachers than me that God could have brought to fill this place. But we just begin, continue to pray. We begin, continue to speak. And it's not anything, it's not to brag anything on me, but other than to let my life be an example of saying, hey, you might, you don't, you might not be the most qualified. You might have been believing God for something. And if you begin to get a God thought and plant that thought, listen, your mind is soil. And if you will plant God's thoughts in your mind and water it and let it begin to grow, there will be a harvest. There will be fruit from it. And it will produce a harvest. Come on, somebody. It's just that too often, I think, when we get the God thought, people, we have a tendency to start chasing, we start chasing the blessing, you know? We start to have this God thought, God's going to do great things through me, and then we start chasing the more this, the more money, the more influence, more better this, better that, or whatever, fine, all those things, I believe God's blessing includes all of those things and I don't believe God wants us to be without like it's good stuff but sometimes our focus just gets off on all of those things because we allow ourselves in that place where those things become our pursuit to begin to be childish again to think those childish ways and when we have to move out of those things into adulting it's not God give me more of this and I need more of that so that I can do what you want but God give me a fresh thought of how I can rise and do what you've called me to do. It's just a difference between childish thinking and adulting. 
When we begin to say, God, help me to revolutionize my thinking. Help me to renew my mind according to your word. Give me a new thought. You want to grow. God grows us one thought at a time. Come on. What if that happened today? We got some new thoughts about our marriages. What if we got some new thoughts about our finances, about our families, about our kids, about our, our, our you know, uh, how we're investing our lives? I mean, most people, I believe, when you ask them would say, yeah, I want my kids to grow up and do great things. But most people are not in making purposeful decisions now for that result. What if we begin to get a new thought about the result that we wanted and how we needed to, decisions we needed to make now to produce that in the end? What are the things that we're planting in our thoughts? What are the thoughts we're planting into our children rather than uh, and letting grow? Too many times we're telling our children they can't or one day or you're not good enough or whatever, but what if we just begin to plant the thought in our children, you're gonna outdo me and it doesn't have to be 20 years from now. You're going to grow up and be powerful in the things of God. You know the voice of God even now. And yes, children know the voice of God. If you don't believe me, read the book of 1 Samuel when God spoke to a little boy named Samuel. Come on, it's all throughout the Bible. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. And in fact, we need the young people. Old people, Scripture says we need the young people to be the example for us so that we don't become religious in all of our ways. Come on. Uh, God wants to give you a new thought. Interesting thought, right? Um, some things that didn't, I'm turning 45, things that didn't exist 45 years ago. ESPN. It's hard to imagine a world without ESPN, you know. Uh, things that didn't exist 45 years ago. Costco, Google, YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. All those things that we can't live without. That didn't exist 40, I mean, the year I was born, Star Wars was invented, okay? You know what I'm saying? Things that didn't exist 45 years ago, smartphones. You don't need it to survive. And yet one person began to think differently, changed the world. Now our entire world revolves around what, I can't do it on my phone, I'm probably not going to do it. Right? or a tablet, or one person began to think differently, and that person, you know, Steve Jobs wasn't even connected to the Holy Spirit, and the thought that he had changed the world. One person had the thought, what if we created a TV network all about sports, and it changed sports all throughout history? Come on, what if we, who are connected to the Holy Spirit, connected to the creator of the universe, began to get a different thought? It would revolutionize, not just our families and our lives, but the world. Come on, what could God do through you if we could get a hold of one new thought today? See, your thoughts matter. Your thoughts matter. Today, I want to give us uh, two, two key ways, I think, practical ways to help us think like an adult, because I understand it's easy to say it. Okay, pastor, I'm going to think differently. I know it's easier said than done, so how do we do it? Great, thanks for asking. Here's the first key, I believe, to help us think like an adult. Number one is choose the thoughts that stay. Choose the thoughts that stay. You're going to have all kinds of thoughts coming at you, but you get to choose the thoughts that stay. See, the problem is not the thoughts coming at you. 
It's just going to happen. Thoughts are going to come. The problem is the thoughts we choose to allow to have residence in our mind and in our soul. Those are the things, the things that we think on that transform who we are. So in other words, the moment you let the thoughts continually come back to you, those become your thought life. Those are the things that begin to shape who you are. The good news is you choose the things that you think about, right? Fear is just a bully. It doesn't get to decide if you think about fear. It doesn't get to decide if you feel fear. It is just a feeling. It is just a thought that comes at you. A person has to decide to let a fearful thought stay inside of them and then defeat it. And make no mistake, anytime a thought comes, it wants to be fed. It wants you to think it again. It wants you to think it more so that it can bring more of its friends and its cousins along with it. But you don't have to think on those things, right? Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. This is one of the keys that I believe about choosing the thoughts that stay. The Apostle Paul, he's writing, and he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So Paul's, he's talking about a spiritual battle that we're in. It's going on all around us. It's not a maybe. It's not a could be. It's not the spiritual people are in a spiritual battle. All of us, if you're living in this world, we're in a spiritual battle. And it's not to be sci-fi or spooky or woo Twilight Zone. No, not to be like that. He's just helping us to, again, to think differently, right? There's good news in the battle. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So God didn't give you weapons of mass destruction and nukes and all that kind of stuff. But isn't it good to know that in this spiritual battle, before you even knew you were in the battle, God has already given you spiritual weapons, everything that you would need. He says, your spiritual weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. You have divine, godly power in you right now. He's, Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to people who are followers of Jesus, letting you know you have access to spiritual power, spiritual weapons to defeat the enemy, to take care of the thoughts coming at you so that you don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to be run by the thoughts coming at your mind. He says your spiritual weapons have, it's the dynamic, explosive power of God. The same power that raised Christ's dead, lifeless body out of that grave is living inside of you. There is power inside of you. And what is this power for? To get even with the guy that cut you off in traffic? <laughs> To, to win these, the argument with your spouse? You know, no, no. It's, it's, he says you have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now this word stronghold is often misunderstood. Uh, a stronghold, as the word is described here, would have been a, uh, something that was built up around a thing to protect it. A stronghold, something that was built up to protect what was in the middle. And here, this idea of strongholds he's talking about is our thoughts that the enemy comes and brings and tries to build strongholds in our minds around to protect these childish, evil thoughts that he's trying to get us to constantly think about so we can't think Godly thoughts, adulting thoughts. Let me show you so that you believe me. He says in the next verse, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. So we know he's talking about our thinking. He's talking about our thoughts. He's saying you're going to demolish strongholds. You're going to destroy these things. I get the, I get the image of uh, MMA fighter. I love to watch uh, that MMA fighting. I, 
But an MMA fighter, you know, they train, they go through all these things. And what's interesting is that they do this thing before the fight. They always show them back in the locker room, and they're, they're doing this thing called shadow boxing, <laughs> punching the air, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so that's part of their training. But that's not all they do. They are not just there to shadow box. They are there to step into the ring to knock their opponent out, to win the fight by all means necessary. And before the fight begins, the referee says, protect yourself at all times because the other person is there to make them lose consciousness, to knock them out, right? And some of us have been the shadow boxer. We want to look like the fighter. We want everyone to think like, oh, yeah, I've been fighting the fight, but really all we've been doing is shadow boxing, just doing some exercises. We've been trying to do that, but we've just been stuck in our childish ways. I don't need to get in the ring. The Lord knows my heart. The Lord goes before me. He'll fight the battle for me. I don't have to do anything. Oh, Lord, I know you're going to come through for me. We're just shadow boxing. God didn't call you to be a shadow boxer. Jesus didn't go to the cross and suffer and die. He wasn't whipped and beaten beyond recognition for you to be a shadow boxer. God didn't give you anointing and calling and all of his power. He didn't send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you to be a direct connection to his glory and majesty just so that you could stand on the sideline and be a shadow boxer. God called you to be a knockout artist, to get into the ring and be like, let's go fear. You're not going to run my family. Let's go, depression. I, mama said, knock you out. It's time to get in the ring. It's time to begin to, he says, demolish some strongholds, some thoughts that have been strongholds. What are some stronghold thoughts? The thoughts that come and just bring the thoughts of lack over your life. It's a stronghold of lack. Well, we're just not going to have enough. I, I don't know if we can give. I don't know if we can do that. Because if we do, we probably just won't have enough. And this is just all we'll ever financially be able to do. And we can't do more than that. That is a stronghold of lack. And God has called you to raise up and destroy that thing. Right? There's some strongholds in, our, in, in this whole area of mental health right now. There are some strongholds, some lies that the enemy has brought to get God's people into immaturity and spiritual infancy in a stronghold. Well, they just struggle with this feeling anxiety all the time. They just don't know if they can do it. And listen. My Bible says that God has given you an overwhelming, victorious spirit. God, my Bible says that God has given you a sound mind, a peaceful mind. He says he's given you the mind of Christ. And I can't find a scripture where Christ was walking around afraid, depressed, anxious. <laughs> what are we going to No, come on. It's time to demolish some strongholds, some thoughts that we've allowed to be built up in our mind that have pushed us into immaturity. I'm preaching good today. He says, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? How do I take every thought captive? That means there's no casual thoughts. So every time a thought comes at me, I'm not just going to think it, oh, that's great, thanks. No, I'm going to take a thought that comes at me and I'm going to evaluate it. Is this thought in alignment with God's promises? Is this thought glorifying to God? Is this thought going to produce righteousness in my life? If it is, great. Think about it. If it's not, let's go. 
I'm going to take care of it. How do we take care of it? What are the weapons that we have? Well, you have the sword of the spirit. You have praying in tongues. You have praying in your natural language. You have a whole lot of spiritual weapons if we'll begin to use them. I know when thoughts come at me, even this last week when I was homesick, man, I'm telling you, I was in the fight. I was in the fight in the thoughts, you know, especially leading up to Sunday. Oh, this is my fault. I probably ate too many chips or something, you know. God, you're probably trying to teach me a lesson. I know you're trying to show me I need to rest more or whatever. Listen, I just got to take care of this one lie right here. Um, God never brings bad to teach you a lesson. That is a childish thought. God is a good father. The Bible says that it is God's will that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. It says that every good and perfect gift comes down from your Father in heaven. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So let's not get it backwards. Let's break down a stronghold. God is good. The devil is bad. And yes, God can work in the bad, but he didn't bring it to you because he wants to test your metal. It's not who he is. God is good. But I was in that place where I was just struggling with the thoughts. And I remember the moment God came and spoke to me. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, knew the, I knew the verses. I knew what was, you know, the next thing I was going to preach about. And that's the great thing is that sometimes you just need to be reminded of what, the truth that you already know. And that's what I'm here to do today. Just remind you. Come on. You've got it in you. I had it in me all along. But I needed the Holy Spirit to remind me, like, get up in your mind. You are not the victim here. You are going to be fine. Get up. Begin to speak the word. Begin to declare God's promises. Oh, but this is just going to last for forever, and this is so long. And I, Right? It's so easy to be in that place. It's so easy. And if, if that's where you want to be, I mean, you can, you're free to think anything you want. I'm just here to tell you, like, we're adulting. We're growing. We're going to grow into the fullness of what God has for us. Come on, there, there is a battle, but you have every weapon you need to win the battle, right? Here's the second key to thinking like an adult. Make adjustments when needed. Make adjustments when needed because none of us are perfect. And if you're like me and you are already having the thoughts, you're already feeling the defeat from it, sometimes you just need the adjustment. And it's okay. It's okay to make the adjustment. Nobody gets it right all the time. That's one of the reasons I love the disciples. If you need some encouragement about your spiritual life, just read the Gospels and and you'll identify with the disciples how much they messed up and how bad it was. It was so bad at one point, Jesus looked at his favorite disciple and said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) You know, like... Like, sometimes we just need to make some adjustments, some course corrections. That's okay. You know, um, mature people make course corrections. The immature people are too prideful to say, I was wrong. I don't need to change. I'm good. I got it right. No, we're growing. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to miss it. That's why the grace of God is new every morning. And aren't you thankful? Come on. See, children, like a child has to be willing to hear the parent, hear the adult, and be willing to readjust their scope of reality. And we have to be open enough, willing enough to be able to grow when God speaks to us through his word or through spiritual leaders in our lives, right? If we're not able to receive correction, then we are immature. Come on, we got to be open to receive uh, from God's word. Second uh, Timothy 3 says, God's word is there to, to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to help us to grow so that we would be, what is the word, mature 
in Christ, right? Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 2, verse 2, making adjustments. He says, do not conform. Do not fit in with. Don't go along. Don't look like the pattern of this world. Now, I'm from Oklahoma, and, but I am not a hunter. Um, I, I have plenty of friends who like to hunt. Anybody like to hunt? Like, the interesting thing about hunters, and, and I love to watch Duck Dynasty reruns. It's awesome, you know. But the interesting thing about people who hunt is that they go through all this effort to blend in. They put camo on from head to toe, stuff on their face. They, you know, hide in the woods, like being still without moving or breathing or talking or doing anything for hours, just hoping some animal will come by. They put scent all around them so that they don't smell like themselves. Like all this effort to blend in. They don't blend in. They don't belong in that environment, but they're trying to conform to it. They're trying to blend in so that they look like the thing. And here, Paul is telling us, he's saying, don't conform, don't fit in with the way the world operates. Now, that's easier said than done. So what does he teach us in the next part of the verse in how we keep from blending in that way? He says, don't blend in. He says, instead, be transformed by renewing your mind changing our thoughts. So in other words, if we want to reflect more of who Christ is, then our thoughts are going to have to change. If we want to live in such a way that we are different than the world and the way they operate, then our thoughts have to be changed. They have to be renewed. You know, it has to be different. Now, here's the good thing. God never asks us to change without a promise. Here's the promise. He says, when your mind is renewed, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in other words, you won't have to wonder or guess or try to figure out what God's will for your life is. When your mind is constantly being renewed according to his word, then you will know God's will. Isn't that good to know? So we don't have to sit back and wonder and be worried if we're going to know God's will. We know God's will His will be when we renew our minds to his word. Come on, it's aligning our thought life with his word. Um, now, the problem is with these adjustments is that is the identifying where we've gotten off, you know? What are the childish thoughts that love to exist in us? And there's, there's many. I wrote down a few that I thought uh, were, were, were key ones. You know, what are some of the childish thoughts that we need to adjust? What about the personalized thoughts? You know, the thoughts that are like, everything is about me. Did you see what they said to me? Did you see what they did to me? And everything that happens and every, anything anybody does is all about you. All your focus is on you. Um, you know, anytime something happens, did you see how they, they tried to use me? They pushed me out. They didn't say hi to me. They didn't hug my neck. Whatever it is, everything is personal and no one can tell you otherwise. Please don't nudge your neighbor right now. <laughs> Just let the Holy Spirit do his work. You know, like. It's just a dangerous place to be because, you know, then we become the judge, you know, because, of course, we know everyone's motives, right, because it's all about me. But can I just tell you, everything is not personal. <laughs> People are not thinking about you near as much as you think they are. It's just not, not happening, you know. Like, I know they didn't say what you wanted in the love language you wanted to receive it in, but they're probably just going through something in their own life and it's coming to the surface, and they're trying to deal with it the best way they know. And then God brought you across their path, full of his anointing, called to be there, full of spiritual power, maybe to be the one to bring help and hope to them. But we can't see that when our childish thoughts have made it all about us. 
Come on, we need to identify some personalized thoughts. It's not personal. It's just not. There's, uh, there, it's just not. We tend to demolish that personal thought. What about this childish thought of magnifying everything, making a mountain out of a molehill, making an ant look like a giant? You just don't know how bad it is. You don't know how low I am right now. We blow everything up. It's only the circumstances that we see, right? Uh, you don't know what that talking head on TV told me and just how terrible the economy is and blah, 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 whatever it is. It's those type of thoughts of magnifying things that keep us seen in childish ways where we can't see the victory. And I know they didn't say hi to you. I know they didn't wish you happy birthday on your Facebook wall, you know, but it's probably not that they hate you. Maybe their life just got busy or they didn't know it was your birthday or whatever it is. It's just not a big deal. It's not as big of a deal as we've made it out to be. When we're going to adult, we're going to start to think and believe the best in others. Let me say that one more time for those in the back. We're going to think and believe the best in others. That's the default. It's the default, right? Because you're going to find whatever you're looking for. Another childish way of thinking is that everything is terrible and awful. Have you heard that song? Everything is awful. Everything is awful all of the time. Some people, that's their life song. You know, like, that's my life verse right there. Everything's terrible. Everything's awful. It's like Eeyore. You know, you're like, hey, it's good to see you today. Thanks for noticing. What? Like, are you doing good? Well, I guess I'm still here, but I don't know about tomorrow. Probably not going to make it. Like, do you have any good days? Is there anything praiseworthy in your life? Is there anything good God has done in your life? Well, God has given you breath today. Yeah, I guess, but it was a painful one. You know, like, come on, can I just tell you everything is not awful? If everything is awful, then it's been too long since you stamped your passport and went on a missions trip to a third world country where there's no clean drinking water for 10 miles. And the only thing to get you to that place is these two things attached to the bottom of your legs called feet. And you got to carry the jar with the, that needs the water in. And it's a lot heavier on the way back. Meanwhile, we can have just about any grocery or any item delivered to our house at our convenience within two hours. Everything is not awful. It's just that sometimes I think we lose sight of our purpose when we get in that place and we start thinking how childish, in that childish way that everything is awful because we've lost sight of why we are blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. And when you lose sight of your purpose of being blessed to be a blessing, then everything becomes awful. Everything becomes personal. Everything becomes to be get blown out of proportion because you've lost your purpose. When you stop giving of yourself, purpose goes out the door. And now your blessing then begins to be about you. And in that place, it is a lot easier to be like, God, give me more. Don't you see I need, I don't have enough for what I need. I want more of what they have. And listen, you might not rival Elon Musk in his net worth, but I can't find the scripture that says you need to be extremely wealthy to be generous. In fact, Galatians 6 says, be generous on every occasion. So come on, let's get to our feet today. I believe God wants to give us a new thought today. If we're going to think like an adult, we need to get a new thought from our Heavenly Father. 
There's an active response required from us at the thoughts coming at us. God can send you the thought, and if we are not actively engaging our faith with it, we can miss it, we can miss out on it. Just because God gives you a thought doesn't mean it's automatically gonna happen. You gotta plant that thought in your mind. You gotta continually water that thought with the word of God, speaking God's promises over your life. And when doubt comes, you gotta send your doubt packing with this promise from scripture. When fear comes, you gotta speak life. When, when, when insecurity comes, you gotta send that thing out the door. God is with me at all times. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.